Little dads out there, happy Father's Day. Glory to God. Let's start, start off with our nugget this morning. In God, the journey does not start with life to death. In God, the journey does not start with life to death, but from death to life. Think about that in a moment, glory. Hallelujah. Okay. And uh, as I have been doing past few uh, services, I've been reading out of uh, a book called Miracles in American History. And it always deals with prayer in American history. So we, we started off with a few things. I thought it was quite interesting last time that the, the British... Uh, sent a number of ships over here to uh, control the the colonies, and they had their can cannons, but they forgot to bring the right cannonballs, so they couldn't do a thing. So that was quite thing uh, interesting. Okay, this is called "Cannons and Violent Storms Make the British Evacuate Boston." In the name of the great Jehovah and the Continental Congress, shouted Ethan Allen, May 10th, 1775, when asked by the surprising British commander at Fort Ticonderoga, in whose name his, uh, his uh, surrender was being demanded, some seven months later, December 1st, 1775, 43-year-old General George Washington sent 25-year-old Colonel Henry Knox, to bring Fort Contigero's cannons to Boston. The British had occupied Boston since the Battle of Bunker Hill, blockading the harbor and starving the inhabitants into submission. Henry Knox, who, was, who had witnessed the Boston massacre and the destruction of his bookseller shop, fled the city with his young bride, uh, Lucy. Knox embarked on his tasked to move 59 cannon over 300 miles in three months from Fort Tigeroga to Boston, an accomplishment so ex extraordinary that historian called it one of the most stupendous feats of logistics. Knox and his men carried, uh, arrived at Fort Tigeroga, where Lake Champagne connected to Lake George and put cannons on big flat bottom boats. They rowed them in freezing weather to the southern end of Lake George, then dragged them on sleds across the snow. Uh, Knox wrote to Washington December 17, 1775, I have made 42 exceedingly strong sleds and have provided 80 yokes of oxen to drag them as far as Springfield, where will I get fresh oxen to carry them. I hope... In 16 or 17 days, I will be able to present your excellency a noble train of artillery. They arrived at Houston River, but the ice was not thick enough to support the sleds, and one sank. On January 8, 1776, Knox wrote to this in his diary to help, provide, uh, help provided by the local farmers and pastors. 
went on the ice about 8 o'clock in the morning and proceeded so carefully that before night we, uh, night we got over 23 sleds and were lucky to get the cannon out of the river. Owing to the assistance of the good people of the city of Albany gave, okay, that's Albany, New York. Knox arrived at Cambridge, Massachusetts, and on the night of March 4th with the, dis the divisionary attacks made to distract the British, Washington's men wrapped wagon wheels with straw to muffle the noise and frantically moved the cannons up to a strategic point at Dorchester Heights overlooking Boston Harbor. To make it appear even more impressive, they painted some logs to look like cannons. <laughs> the next morning of March 5th, 1776, the astonished British general, William Howe, looked up at Dorchester Heights and remarked, the rebels did more in one night than my whole army could have done in a month. On March 6th, 1776, from Cambridge headquarters, General Washington ordered, Thursday the 7th, being set, up, set apart by the pro, this province as a day of fasting and prayer and humiliation, to implore the Lord to give, and giver of all the victory to pardon our manifold sins and wickedness, that he, and that it would please him to bless the Continental Army with his divine favor and protection. All officers and so, soldiers are, are strictly enjoyed to pay all their dues, reverence, and attention on that day to the sacred duties due to the Lord to host of his miracles and um, mercies. And for those blessings with which our holiness and uprightness of light, life can alone encourage us to hope through his mercies to obtain. Then on March 7, 1776, General William Howe had planned to attack the, the Americans by landing 3,000 troops and charging up Dorchester Heights, but a violent snowstorm arose, <laughs> arose causing the seas to be so turbulent that the attack had to be abandoned. General Washington wrote his brother, John, uh, March uh, 31, 1776, Upon their discovery of the, uh, of the works next morning, great preparations were made for the attacking of them, but not being r ready before the afternoon, the weather getting very tempestuous, and blood was saved, much blood was saved, and very important blow prevented. This is the most remarkable uh, interposition of uh, providence is for some wise purpose, I have, not, I have no doubt. Then on March 8, 1776, General Howell sent word to Washington that if the British were allowed to leave Boston unmolested, that they would not set fire to the city on their way out. Eight days passed, and on March 16, 1776, the Continental Congress approved without dissent a resolution by General William Lexington. Congress desires to have the people of all ranks and degrees, duties impressed with a solemn sense of God's uh, superintending province and of their duty devoutly to rely on and his aid in direction. Do you earnestly command, recommend a day of humiliation, prayer, and fasting that we, with united hearts, confess and bewail our manifold sins and transgressions and by sincere repentance and uh, admiration of life appeal, appease God's righteous displeasure. And 
through the merits of meditation of Jesus Christ to obtain his pardon and forgiveness. On March 17, 1776, British General Howe finally gave the order for all his troops to, be, to board their ships and together about, with about a thousand British loyalists, including, including, the, including the parents of Henry Knott's wife, the British evacuated Boston. With enthusiasm, General Washington put out a desperate plea for reinforcements. Connecticut Governor Jonathan Thumble responded August of 1776 by putting out an appeal for nine more regiments of volunteers, stating, In this day of calamity, to trust altogether to the justice of our cause without our utmost exertion would be tempting providence. March on, this shall be your warrant. Pray for, pray for God and for the cities of our God. May the Lord of hosts, the God Almighty, uh, the God of the armies of uh, Israel, be your captain, your leader, your, com your conductor and savior. Wow, so uh, that's why Boston wasn't burned <laughs> with those uh, 39 cannons and uh, painted logs that look like cannons and Wednesday we're going to look at uh, how 8,000 troops escaped well I think it's quite interesting that uh, how much prayer went forth from our founding fathers and prayers were answered and uh, I'm glad we have a president in office now that believes that we are a Christian nation and that uh, prayers go forth, that uh, both he and uh, our vice president do have prayer meetings uh, and uh, Bible studies in the capital. So uh, things are bound to change. And if we continue to pray and lift up our president, uh, that he will continue to have uh, um, perfect uh, guidance by the Holy Spirit and his uh, uh, spiritual counselors that we'll get through all this and have great and mighty things to take place. Amen? Amen. Okay. All right. Father, we praise you. We just give you thanks as we look to your word this morning. We praise you. We just give you thanks, Lord, that great and mighty things have taken place, will take place, and we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Okay. Um, again, happy Father's Day, gentlemen. Glory to God. There's uh, the Marine, uh, we've all seen the Marine uh, uh, Corps advertisement uh, um, that says, looking for a few good men. Well, I think God had that, uh, made that saying first, if you'll turn with me to the book of Ezekiel, the book of Ezekiel chapter 22. God was looking for some good men. In Ezekiel chapter 22. And we're going to look at verse 30. Remember, Marines are looking for a few good men. Look what God says. That's uh, Ezekiel 22, looking at verse uh, 
30. And I sought for a man among them that should take up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I shall not destroy it, but I found none. But glory to God, he, he has found men and women today that are going to stand up in the gap for our land. Amen. I'm believing that Christians across this, our nation uh, finally starting to wake up and we begin to pray for our nation to come back to the standards that God has uh, implemented through our constitution, through our uh, founding fathers. Glory to God. So we need to thank God for godly men and women today that pray. Yes. Amen. So who is a good man? Let's go to Proverbs, back up to the book of Proverbs. We're going to be bouncing around this morning. Find the book of Proverbs chapter 3. And we'll find some insightful uh, things about, uh, well, not only a good man, but a good woman. But since today's Father's Day, we will uh, nail it on the men this morning. <laughs> Proverbs 3. A good man is one who will lean upon the Lord. Proverbs 3, looking at verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart, and lean not unto thine own understandings. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Glory to God. So a good man will acknowledge the principles of God, or a good woman will acknowledge the principle of God, and have complete trust in the word. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We need to follow the instructions that God has given us. Uh, like we, we said uh, Wednesday, we, we just not only hear the word, we have to be obedient to the word, and then we have to put action to the word. Amen. So if we are smart or, or uh, a good man, we will be obedient to what the word calls us to do. Uh, let's now turn to the book of uh, Isaiah. In the book of Isaiah, you want to find the 40th chapter. Well, not only do we have to learn, learn to lean upon the Lord for uh, knowledge and principles of God, but we need to also lean upon the Lord for, in, in Isaiah chapter 40, We'll look at verses 30 and 31. It, it reads thusly. That's Isaiah 40, verses 30 and 31. For the youth, even the youth, shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not, shall not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So we need to, as we are following the Lord men and women, if we will do this, we will ha find strength given to us. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Rely upon the strength of the Lord in all things. Don't yes. rely on, on your own uh, uh, reasonings. Uh, too many of us uh, go on our own reasonings. So, um, God's strength. You know, one of the songs that we sang this morning is, I'm a friend of God. I am a friend of God. And, and I got to thinking, okay, okay. How many of you have ever had, quote, a friend befriend you? I mean, just tear you up. I mean, just say bad things about you and 
you know, just rotten things and just, you know, nobody's ever had that. You know, you've, okay, I guess I'm the only person that's been, had somebody say some bad things about me, you know. And, you know, man, I get, what's wrong with that guy, you know? You know I'm not going to call him for anyone. I'm not going to even, you know, bother him, help him out at all anymore. And then I got to thinking, okay, God says, He's my friend. He calls me friend. How many times, I'm going to use myself, how many times do I mess up in the day that show that I, I have no respect for God by doing something wrong, that, that going against his commandments, thinking something wrong, or, or, and he still calls me friend. Wow. He still calls me friend. And, he want, and that means... He's giving me his strength. Amen. Implying that I'll give you strength in anything that, that comes against you because I'm your friend. Wow, that is heavy. That is really heavy. At least it, to me it was heavy. So we can rely upon God's strength. He calls us friends. Even when we do something bad, he says, no, don't touch that guy. He's my friend. In fact, he says, he's my son. He's my, he's my son. She's my daughter. She's special. He's special. Amen. Glory to God. So, Then, of course, we go to the book of Philippians. We found that uh, we lean upon him. He's our strength. And now in the book of Philippians, you know what this is going to be. In the book of Philippians, chapter 4. Verse 19, it says, But my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God wants to supply all our needs. Amen. This is a great father. We're looking at father, so, you know, we, we lean upon him for instruction. He gives us strength when, when we're weak, and now he wants to supply all our needs. Glory to God. There's no lack in God's house. There's no lack in God's house. And if you're in God's house, you're taken care of. I want you to think about at the very beginning when God selected the people of Israel or the Jewish people in, that, in their trek from Egypt to the Promised Land. He wanted to get them there early, but they, they dragged their feet. It took them 40 years. And in the desert, with all those people, you don't have that much food. You don't have that much water. But what did he su supply them with in the desert for 40 years? Water. Manna and quail. I mean, they had it all. I mean, that, 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 at first, that manna was, was good enough for anything. I mean, you could bake it. You could eat it raw. You can fry it. You can boil it. I mean, it was great. But then they got, you know, well, I'm tired of this manna. It says, okay, have some quail. And there it was every day. Manna and quail. Except on Sunday. If you had to pick up the extra loaf of or the meat the day before to go into to the Sabbath. I should say it was Saturday. But that, there was no lack. There was no lack for them. Right. Forty years. And think about it. I mean, 
I don't think any of us could wear our clothes for 40 years without them falling off. But these, these clothes stayed good. I mean, I would say if they were children, the clothes grew with them. Whatever, you know, it didn't wear out. Glory to God, something else. Well, you remember Elijah uh, prayed that God would stop the rain for coming and it stopped for three years. And he went to the brook and, and the ravens fed him and the brook dried up and the ravens went away. And he says, what am I going to do now, Lord? God says, I'll supply you. I'll give you a supply. Go find the woman at Zarephath. So he goes there and guess what? Oh. And he's looking for a woman. And, she, and, she's, and he finds her. She has a, a son there. And, she's a, and, and the prophet comes up to him and says, just give me a little meal. He says, oh, well, no, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, this meal is for me and my son, and then we're going to die. He says, no, give me first. And then uh, she did so, and she, uh, she did so, and then he did so, and God did so. And we don't know how, at what point she was fed with this meal, a cruise of uh, oil and, and meal. It didn't say how long. It said until the, the, lost the word. Fam, thank you. The famine, uh, or the drought. Famine. famine. Until the drought was over, then, then, then it stopped. But you don't know how long that could have been. It could have been two years. He might have been two years and six months. You know, we don't know how long it took for the, the creek to dry up. Right. So, you know, that woman lived. God's our supplier. He supplies all, supplies all our needs. Well, they were following Jesus all over the place, up into the hills, down in the valleys. And Jesus told the disciples, if we've got a bunch of people out there and it's late at night or getting close to night and they can't go home to eat, so get them some food. And he said, they said, there's no market around here. Jesus says, well, get, find somebody that's got some food. A little boy comes up there with some fishes and loaves and guess what? Twice this has happened. Feeding over 5,000 men and... and God supplies. That's what a father does. He supplies all our needs. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So, all our needs are met. Thank you for all the amens out there. <laughs> they will always be met. He said he will supply our needs. We just have to trust him. Amen. Glory to God. Now, let's go back to the book of Proverbs chapter 1 this time. In Proverbs chapter 1. A good man will lean upon the Lord. He gets his strength. He knows that uh, he, he gets his supply from God, but a good man will also do these for his family. That he gives strength to his family. He's, the, the family lean upon, leans upon him as the, 
uh, leader of the household, and he's also supposed to supply uh, the needs of the family, okay? Now we look here in Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise the wisdom of instruction. So, a good man will, have, will begin to have knowledge, develop knowledge. This is also for women. So, you know, women, you, we, men, we need to develop our knowledge. Get it from the Lord. Find it through the word of God. Hallelujah. Go back up to verse 5. That's Proverbs 1, 5. A wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will attain unto wise counsel. So there we go. We have wisdom that's been given unto us as we follow God's word. As, as you read God's word, you're going to find many things that is going to set us apart from the rest of the world because we will have the wisdom. If you recall what Daniel uh, and his uh, men were in the uh, kingdom, the Babylonian kingdom, what was it? They were ten times wiser than the wisest men of, of uh, the kingdom. All the kingdoms, in fact. They were renowned for the wisdom. You, we have that wisdom. Whatever job yet you have or doing, you have ten times the wisdom. Amen. Claim it. Ten times the wisdom of anybody else that's doing that job. Well, think about it. Ten times. That, that could go... Well, say you were a babysitter. You would be ten times... Wiser than all the babysitters in the, in the nation. Amen. I use John as a as a individual back there. He's ten times wiser than all the all police officers. Not only just here, but throughout the, the nation. Amen. He's been given that. Right. I mean that that is something else. He's been get, because he studies the word, he reads the word, he believes the word, he takes the word, and then he applies the word. If you know, if, to be a, you know, what is, what is one of the worst things you can have is have a book and never read it. I mean, the book's yours, but the knowledge in it doesn't follow through on you. We have to have, you have to open the book and find out what it says and begin to apply it to you. Amen. So, we, so we need to do that. We have to have sound wisdom. James chapter 1. The book of James chapter 1. Look at verse 5. If any, any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that God that giveth all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be, it shall be restricted. Given. Given. <laughs> Glory to God. We, I think most of us have said it's restricted. I can't have that much knowledge on my job. Hey, it's not restricted. It's given. As much as you want. If you just want just to pass the test, that's fine. But if you want to over exceed and be abundantly blessed in that area, not just get a B or a B minus, but get an A plus, 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 
That's you. Right. It's as much as you want that wisdom. So, so a lot of Christians, I hate to say it, I've been in the boat. I'm sitting in the boat and watching Peter step over the side and walk on water. I'm saying, okay, you, we, for those that were not here, that was Wednesday night's service. Step out of the boat. We need to step out. Right. Amen. Step out of our, our comfort zone and do exactly what God said. Amen. Peter said, if it, if it be thou, you, Lord, bid me to come. Okay? You're asking, well, what, you know, well how's that going to do on my job? If the word says it, you can do it. Right. It says, I can do a few things in Christ. All. So, see, we, we handicap ourselves because we say ourselves, I, I, can, never, I can never have done that. Yeah. Or, I know they are much better at that than I, they are more proficient at that than I, and I just let them do it because I know I can't do it. We, that's not what the Word says. Right. We have to go after it. As men and women, we have to go after the things of God. He says we can do it. Amen. So, oh, this is, we can change things. Yes, change things for the better. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Since we're, let's back up to 1 Corinthians. This, is one's, this one's a hard one for many of us. You'll say, what? 1 Corinthians chapter 2. First Corinthians chapter 2. Now look at verse 16. Like I said, this is very hard for many of us. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. I'm going to read that from the Amplified. But we have the mind of Christ, the Messiah, and do hold the thoughts, feelings, and purpose of his heart. What is his thoughts and purposes? To do good things. Right. We've, called, we've been called to do good works. Amen. And we limit ourselves because, well, I, I, don't, I don't know if I can do that. Well, the Lord never said he couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. He followed the directions. What God, he said, Jesus said, I do what the Lord tells me to do. What the Father has given me. And too many of us will, will not step forward and say, okay, Lord, you've given this to me, but I'm not going to step out of the boat. I'm going to be with the rest of the disciples. I'll be just like the rest of the group. We'll let somebody else take the lead. Uh-oh. You can't do that. Okay. Talk, talking about, we talk, <laughs> I'm putting these two sermons together. Wednesday, step, Peter stepping out of the boat. In other words, he had to learn to lead or take control. So, what do we got to control? Let's go to the book of Galatians. In the book of Galatians 5, verse 
This is what we need to learn to control and use. Galatians 5, verse 16. For this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Yes. Might as well go down to verse 17. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you cannot do do the things that you would do. So we need to learn to control our flesh. Don't let it get above us or ahead of us. And uh, again, our flesh has a lot to do with our walking. Wow! Like I said, <laughs> sometimes some things come up that we have to change our lifestyles about. In order for the spirit to be stronger in our lives, to take over. And if we allow certain things to guide us, the wrong things to guide us, we are misdirected. It's not saying that you are wrong, but God's asking us to become more in line with his thoughts and his principles in our life. Amen. You know, we've all seen the picture uh, or, or the cartoon picture of somebody driving and they're drunk and they're, they're weaving like this. Well, God, God doesn't want us to weave in our, on our Christian life. He wants us to be direct, directed by him. That means we need to follow what he has called us to do in the spirit. The spirit man is to control us, to lead us. Amen. Our mind is to follow through, and the body is to be the vehicle into which we do these things. That's right. Okay. Since we are in Galatians, let's go back to, uh, in Galatians chapter 2 this time. Here we go. Galatians chapter 2, looking at verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. That's verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Wow. We need to be controlled. Know that we're dead. You can't persuade a, a something dead to do something. I mean, you can kick it. You can stomp on it. You can stand it up. It's going to fall down. It's not going to do things. That's, that's the way we should be in the things of the world. Our fleshly attitudes, we need to follow what God has called us to do. God is not saying that you have to put all fleshly things aside because you still got to eat, sleep, you know. But the fleshly things that misdirect us, he wants us to take care of. Amen? Amen? Okay. So, as fathers, we need to learn to control our flesh so that when we are around the family, we can 
lead a family properly. Same with the women, you know. And let's now go further back, or back to the book of Ephesians chapter 5 this time. That's Ephesians chapter 5 and looking at things that the man of the house, fathers, dads need to do. In Ephesians chapter 5, looking at verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. The husband's in charge. God's wisdom, in God's wisdom, he has given each family a head. But this is not a privilege as much as it is a responsibility. Being a father, you are, you are, is a privilege, but there's a great responsibility of being a dad. The hardest thing that a man has to do as a husband is to be a good husband to the wife and a good father to the children. And all of us need to, men, we need to develop this, you know. You say, well, the children are out of the, well, the children may be out, but I think your children possibly had some children of their own, so you are now a grandparent, so you, there's something that you, you still can bring to the, to the family. Um, let's go, now go all the way. Let's find, look at a couple of individual fathers that did not do too well. I hate to say it. Let's go all the way back to the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 3. Now, Samuel was a priest or prophet of, of God. He, he was in charge of the temple. That's 1 Samuel 3. Look at verse 13. That's, this is talking about uh, not Samuel, the book of Samuel. But we're, we're going to look at Eli. Eli can, can, could control the, the temple or the, the things of God in the house of God, but he couldn't run his family properly. Look at the first Samuel chapter 3. Look at verse 13. I'm going to read it from the Amplified. And I now announce to him that I will judge and punish his house forever for the iniquity of which he knew. That's right. His father knew what's going on with his right. kids and he didn't do anything with it. For his sons were bringing a curse upon themselves. I mean, that's bad news when you, when you let your kids bring a curse upon themselves. Why are you doing that? Don't do that. You want to be blessed and not be a curse. Okay, but he says, we're bringing a curse upon themselves, blaspheming God, and he did not restrain them. In other words, hey, Sam says, well, Eli says, oh, yeah. ah, the kids are teenagers, they're doing their own thing, and and uh, now they're young men, they're 21, over 21, and uh, you can't control them anymore or tell them. Eli didn't do it. Yeah. There's an obligation, there's a responsibility to raise your children in the things of God. 
Okay? And unfortunately, uh, like, I, like I mentioned the other day, that I knew of a, a young gentleman that uh, uh, has children, and, uh, and somehow we got to talk about certain things. And he said, I, I said, why don't you bring your, take your children to church? Ah, they can make up their own minds. They'll make up their minds when they get old enough. That's not the way it goes. God says, train up a child in the way he should go. Then he will follow and not fall away from it. But if you don't train that child in the the proper way, that child is going to run rampant. That's what we got. These crazy people running around today. Because parents just let the kids do what their own thing. We're going to see that in a moment here. Okay. Now let's turn to... uh, First Kings. Let's go to First Kings. We're going to see what David did. First Kings chapter. I hope I got this one right. Okay. Okay, let's go to verse First uh, uh, Kings chapter one. We will look at verse five and six. I will read it from the Amplified. And Anojai, the son of David's wife Heget, uh, exalted himself, saying, "I, the eldest living son, will be king." And he prepared for himself the chariots and horsemen with fifty men to run before him. And David, his father, listen to this, had never in his life displeased him by asking, "What have you done so?" So he also uh, he was also a very attractive man and was born after Absalom. So here we find um, it says here that uh, verse six and David his uh, David his father had never in his life displeased him. In other words, this kid got everything he wanted. Oh. Can I have that? Or I want that. How many of you ever been in the, in the stores? And you see a kid screaming and kicking and yelling and I want that. I mean, what does the parent do? Yeah, they shut them up, they give it to them. Well, they don't beat them anymore. So, David could run a kingdom. He established the kingdom, but he, had, he was a failure with his children. Absalom uh, wanted to take over. Now this, this son says, I, this is what I want. He was never, nothing was withdrawn from him, or withheld from him, I should say. He gave them whatever they wanted. Um, giving a child whatever they want is not happiness. It has... It has Happiness has nothing to do with God in this area. Let's go now to, uh, to the book of James. James chapter 4. We're going to see this. Bet you think James had this. But James chapter 4 talks about this very thing that uh, uh, David allowed here. James chapter 4.
Look at verse 9, James 4, 9. From the Amplified. As you draw near to God, be deeply penitent and grieved. Even weep over your disloyalty. Let your laughter be turned to grief and your mirth to dejection and heartfelt shame for your sins. A father is to instill the joy of the Lord or having the joy of the Lord in your life. We need to teach our children early yes. to love the things, the things of God and to love God. That uh, means when they're, you know, when they're at the table. You, know, you are, you know, I, I like what, yeah. I don't think many of us were raised this way. I can't say that. I'll, I'll, put, that, I'll put myself. The Jews on, 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 on Sabbath night, or the day before Sabbath, they, when they got to the dinner table, the children were there, and, and this is just before going into the Sabbath, or maybe it is the Sabbath, when they eat, they tell their, their children, you are blessed. You are Abraham's seed. What you put your hands to shall prosper. You'll be above and not beneath. Amen. Now, I'm not going to ask you if your parents ever did that to you at your, at your home. I know my, you know, I will say my parents never thought of that. I mean, they, they told me, you know, you can do, you know, do what you want, you know, but they never had that, that ingrained. It didn't come every week. You know, it might come when report time, report card came from school. Oh, you got an A, you got a B. Oh, this is not too good. They got a D minus. You could do better. You will do better or else. But I mean, it wasn't on a constant basis. But, but the Jew, I mean, how many, the Jews have always been known for rising above or becoming the cream of the crop whenever they were doing something. And people got angry at them and say, well, they, they stole this, they did that. No, they, they had principles that were built into their lives. Their fathers implemented in something in, into their children's lives. We need to do the same thing. Well, you, you don't have no kids anymore. Hey, when the grandkids come over, hey, you're doing real good. You know, this is what God says about you. You, you, you receive the Lord Jesus Christ. You can do these things. Turn things around for our kids. Amen. Turn things around for ourselves. Begin to think about ourselves in that, that manner. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay, now we're going to go hit something hard. Uh, since it's, Go to the book of Colossians chapter 3. That's Colossians chapter 3. This is, oh my gosh, I got, I'm not even finished. I've got a full page to go yet. I've got a roll here. Okay, Colossians chapter 3, verse 21. It says, Colossians 3, 21. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. The goal of a good father is to raise children who are not discouraged and are hopeless. 
Um, the word d discouraged here means losing heart. Don't let your children lose heart. Uh, don't let them be listless. Be, you know, oh, I just can't do anything, Grandpa. I can't do something, Dad. Don't let them be spiritless. That means you need to give them some meat for their spirit. That's the word of God. Um, don't let them become disinterested in, in God. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I remember when, when your, your parents took you to church. I don't want to go. That teacher's an old bitty. He's <laughs> always picking on me. Hey, bust that disinterest. Hey, find out what God's word says about you. Uh, you know, don't let your kids get moody. Yeah. Let, don't let them get weak in things. Build them up. Always build the children up. Don't let them get fearful. It's our, our goal as parents to bring them up. A good father will bring, teach, and inspire joy, confidence, and courage to the children. Make your children happy in God by helping them to hope in God. Yes. They have to hope in God. All right. Okay. If I, if I have to stop here, I'll stop here. But, huh? Okay, let me finish with this then. The world says, the world says, don't discourage your child. Don't discourage, that's what the world says. Don't discourage your child. Build up his confidence or build up her confidence. Come on, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. Well, that's good, right? Wrong. What does the word of God say? Scripture tells us don't discourage a child. Build up a child in his confidence with God. If a child is built up in the confidence of God, he will always become an overcomer. But build, building up self-confidence is going to be like, well, King Nebuchadnezzar and, and, and numerous ones like that that think they, are, they did it on their own. It's not going to be any good. So we need to build our children up with the hope of God. Amen. Have a confidence in God. When something happens, the child should say, i got to pray to God. Boy, I had a bunch here, and we never got to it. Okay, Wednesday night. Okay, so if you want to find out Wednesday night, what happened, what's the rest of the, the, the Father's duties are? Glory to God. Hallelujah. It'll be a short one Wednesday night. You know how Wednesday nights are. <laughs> Wednesday night. Okay. And I'll, I'll ask, I'll, I'll challenge you on this. How many times did Jesus call God my Father in the, in the Gospels? Okay, anybody need prayer at this point?